0: Hello and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Praska, and uh, with, with me as always is...
1: Your other host, Khalid Hussein.
0: Hi, Khalid.
1: Hey, Joe. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm groovy. We had rain yesterday, so it's like that afterglow in L.A. now, which you rarely get because it's a desert...
0: Oh, that sounds wonderful. You're just kind of like glimmering and shimmering and basking in this, I, I imagine.
1: Yeah, you know, the sun shines just a little bit brighter after a rainy day, and it's like warmer, and it's just pleasant, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, just
1: it's, nice, to, it's nice to have weather.
0: It snowed here.
1: Uh, Really? In Minnesota, you don't say?
0: Yeah, it did. Wow. I had the shovel and everything uh, how's today. How's that going? Always, always good time. I don't miss
1: shoveling at all. I don't think I shovel right. My back gets sore so fast.
0: Uh, I mean, that's probably why you moved to L.A., right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I couldn't get my form down. I knew I wouldn't go pro.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't go pro. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I listened to our previous podcast, Khalid, and, and I was realizing that there's a pattern here. Uh, do you know what that is?
1: I have no idea.
0: I always ask you how you're doing, and you always respond with groovy. Really? Yeah. Did you know that? Or is this a plan? Did you plan this?
1: No, I'm, I'm not uh, committed enough or have enough foresight to plan things.
0: Uh, we're meta podcasting right now. Did you know that? I guess, yeah.
1: We're getting real, real, real into the weeds. This is uh, inside baseball for all of the day ones, not some new listeners.
0: Yeah, pretty much some deep stuff here. So,
1: all right. Well, I uh, note taken, I will learn other words besides groovy to describe myself.
0: Well, almost like, I mean, I feel like now at this point, if you switch it up, it's like, not good. Like, you got to keep with it. You got to stick with it now.
1: Yeah, we'll see. You know, I mean, it seems like it's just a reflex, but uh, we'll see.
0: Well, well, don't make a commitment, because if you try to do something, it's going to come off as artificial.
1: I've never tried in my life, Joe.
0: That's true. I, I can vouch for that. Thank you. Yeah. So, hey, did you hear about the monster that had eight arms?
1: Um... Like, like a specific monster or just any monster?
0: Just any monster. Did you hear about it? No. Uh, he said they all come in handy. Oh God. Oh, and that's a segue. Uh, we're talking about a uh, property today with a monster that is all sorts of tentacly. And I and I made the connection that you know octopuses have eight tentacles, and so you know arms, tentacles. That joke. So, so you know what I'm going. You know what I'm going with this, Khalid. Do I? uh go into i'm going to segue into uh transitioning into what we are discussing today there
1: heck yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so today for those of you uh joining you probably already saw the title when you clicked on this to listen it's a book club episode book club book club? uh we are discussing a comic book just like we, we've done this one before we did Bitterroot before and we're doing another comic book uh with monsters, and I'm excited about it. Khalid, do you want to tell our, our listeners what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, real quick though, I'm an adult, Joe, so can we call this a graphic novel?
0: Yeah, why don't we go with that?
1: Thank you, thank you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> so today we are talking about the graphic novel uh, "Monstrous," written by Marjorie Liu and art done by Sana T- Takita. Uh, butchered that name, totally butchered it. But uh, we got our summary from our homeboy Wikipedia today, and it goes a little something like this. The series is set in a matriarchal world inspired by early 20th century Asia and tells the story of Michael Halfwolf, a teenage girl who shares a mysterious psychic link with a powerful monster. The background to the story is a war between the Arcanics, magical creatures who sometimes can pass for human, and the Kumea, an order of sorceresses who consume Arcanics for, to fuel their power. My, Micah is an Arcanic who looks human and who is set on learning about and avenging her dead mother. Micah's left arm has been severed and a demon occasionally emerges from its stub. The demon who takes over her body and mind is a source of great power, but challenging for Micah to understand and control. Done. <laughs> what
0: a monster. That creatures of the abstract live of potential energy. It's
1: alive!
0: Sounded like a mouthful there.
1: That was a lot. I mean I understand because it's like so much story, like Oh, like it's I mean volume one is basically like a season of TV almost or like half a season of TV to me so I get it
0: yeah volume one's uh hefty i i saw that uh that she she mentioned that volume one is kind of a, it's a big it's bigger than the other volumes because there's just so much so much like introduction and world building that has to fit in this first little bit to kind of make it's the story a lot work. of
1: groundwork like the yeah. like, little interstitials with the cats like even that feels like it's like put in there just because like there's so much you can't explain within the actual narrative
0: yeah um so i guess before we dig too deep into it uh what'd you think of it
1: Oh, I dig it, man! It's like some parts Avatar: The Last Airbender, some parts Game of Thrones, some parts like its own weird Godzo thing. Uh, it's just super cool. Uh, this is exactly the kind of like world building and mythology that like I dig, but uh, I. I don't do that much fantasy like you know because like I feel like Lord of the Rings was just like too much of like a standard bearer on fantasy and it somehow turned into just a bunch of British guys in, uh, in armor fighting like the same kind of monsters. So it's really cool to get this like uh, e- Asian-influenced story set in a world that is very familiar but still its own identity. Uh, I mean, yeah, like – I, there's a lot more I'm going to say about it, but I'll just keep it too. I loved it. It was dope. I am definitely going to read the next volume.
0: I would 100% agree with you. I really love this. I have mentioned before you off air that I've read th- I read this before, uh, like a while ago, like right around when it first came out, and I really liked it. And I just I think I don't think the second volume had come out at that time. So I put it down and hadn't gotten around to coming back to it. But rereading it I just I got so much more out of it the second time too and I'm just so excited to like I think there's five volumes that are currently out like the collected trade paper paperbacks very excited to go into those but you're absolutely right about um just this this kind of take on the fantasy genre like it, it had been sort of very Eurocentric for a long time like Eurocentric white men kind of dominating the landscape of, of genre storytelling in general but we are seeing it's cool that we are seeing that like that changed a lot, and and this is just a just a really great example of what that kind of can look like, and and I kind of feel like, I mean that's that's sort of what the genre needs, though, you know, like I mean, otherwise you're just repeat recycling the same stories. You need more perspectives into it, and I, and and this is this is that, and that's why it's so cool.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, it's exactly like you're saying about recycling storylines and stuff like that. There's only like so many schools of thought within Western civilization that you can uh, pull from or emulate, you know, like there's like your C.S. Lewis with like the Christ allegory and all that. So like, it's cool to see uh, an Eastern influenced comic book that actually like pulls A lot from the uh the the spiritual teachings in those cultures obviously i'm not gonna like be like oh yeah this is exactly like buddhism or something like that that would be pretty reductive but it's very clear from like the way that it's written and like the stuff that it's like pointing to that there is like uh an an eastern influence to the spirituality that is brought up
0: yeah i i saw i got uh i got a lot of quotes from marjorie lou that i pulled uh just reading about this in general. And she, uh, this is an interview I found from her in Paste magazine. Uh, and and she says that it's it's essentially, she considered it, it to be like an alternate 1920s China. Um, but she says, quote, it's not just set in China. It's also set in Mongolia, Japan, Hawaii, but it's different in the sense that there are non-human people. And she drew from mythology for the different races. So like the talking cats that are like the spies and the assassins that you mentioned, they're kind of based off this thing called the Japanese uh, yokai. And she says that the yokai are supernatural creatures from Japanese mythology. For example, the cat yokai can raise the dead and speak to ghosts. So some of these cats are able to raise the dead along with uh, all their other mysteries.
1: Ooh.
0: Yeah. Necromancer cat. That'd be sick. Well, the main cat's a necromancer. Yeah, that's true. My cat
1: is, my cat is not a necromancer, but it did just learn to start knocking things off the edge of tables and surfaces.
0: I mean, that's right up there with it. Pretty much the same thing. What did you think of the art?
1: Uh, I like the art a lot. Uh, It was very, uh, I'm trying to think like, it definitely evoked Avatar The Last Airbender, but like a lot less like uh, cartoonish,
0: if that makes sense. Like, It's anime influenced, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's way more anime influenced, but like, I don't know why, but like maybe the color palettes or something like that. Like I just kept seeing it and like not even Avatar The Last Airbender so much as like Legend of Korra when they get more. I don't know if you've seen it, but like that one's more like steampunk since it's like the next generation. So technology's advanced. Um, I don't know why, but like I kept just like seeing like the like bigger cities in that show.
0: I, I can see that I'm gonna get slammed for this. I just realized it's an anime inspired. It's probably manga inspired. Is the correct terminology, on oh, print? Man.
1: Come yeah. come for his mentions, not mine. I would never say that, manga fans. <laughs> uh, I
0: I thought I thought I like the art too though. Uh, Sana T- uh, Takita, the art the artist and illustrator. Um, she so she's a Japanese artist. She started work with like 3D c- CGI modeling and apparently was pretty much self taught in how to like draw and like create these kind of worlds that she was able to create like this. So it's super cool. Um, And I just, I'm just like every page I was just continually impressed with the, what she was able to do.
1: Yeah. It's super impressive. Like it's a very vivid and distinct world that they've created.
0: Yeah. Apparently. So there's a, there's a character in the, in the book Kippa, the, the little like fox child. Uh, apparently that that in the actual, like when, when Marjorie Lou was writing the story, like that was, that character was just like a minor minor character who wasn't going to be in the story much. But when she saw the, like the sketches and the design for that character, she was like, Oh, I got to keep this around.
1: Oh, so it's kind of like a Jesse Pinkman thing for breaking. Bad.
0: Yeah. Back yeah <laughs> that's,
1: that's pretty cool i always like that when it's like you know, i'll be honest that kid was dead like as soon as i conceived of it like doa and then it it just impressed me so much that i had to keep it <laughs>
0: yeah so um this so the, in this story or in this i guess we should dig into some a little bit of stuff to just for those people who haven't read it uh we won't get into too much spoilers just because um i think with our book club episodes we don't want to we want people to go out and read it. And a lot of people who probably listen to this might be like, oh, I want to get a recommendation. So we're not gonna get too deep into spoilers. And I think that's another reason why we stuck to volume one for this and Bitterroot. But uh but to just to get some of like the uh the sort of understanding of the world out of the way, I think it's um interesting to look at the different like races and cultures that make up this world. So we've got the humans um who are aligned with the cumea, which are like they're kind of like uh like a like a, like a they're like nuns, like sorceress nuns. They have like an order and they work with the humans. So they're actually humans, but they have they have special powers. Like I kind of think of them like uh like Aes Sedai from the Wheel of Time, except a little more evil or quite a bit more evil.
1: Is there a reference that I would understand? Um,
0: no, I don't know, maybe. Um let me <laughs> let me get back to you on that one. They're just like like an order of women with power basically like it's 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 in a lot of fantasy stories so it's there's some like basis for that which is kind of cool but then so then we also have the arcanics so our main character uh make a half wolf is an arcanic and the arcanics they look they tend they could look human or they could look more like monstrous or creature like but they're basically hybrids a hybrid race between the humans and the ancients which is another race of like uh immortal beings that look they look like animals so like their head like one of them's like a like a wolf queen. And there's another one who's like the monkey king. And so th- those are also kind of like rooted in some of those, like the cultural mythology too. Then we also have the cats who are mysterious and necromancers and they talk and they're really smart and they're cool. And then there's the, uh, the very mysterious, uh, old gods or monstrum as they're sometimes referred to, which are these like Kaiju esque, like beings, creatures that just kind of walk around the land are huge, but, they don't really interact with the world like uh, a lot There's speculation and throughout this volume of whether or not that they're like kind of just uh, like after images or ghosts that just sort of wander of like the old gods, or, um, you know, just old creatures that they're taking the form of that and they're, they're not like, aware of their surroundings kind of thing. So what do you think of like the races and the breakdowns of the culture?
1: I mean, you guys can tell just from like Joe's description there, it is dense. It's a lot thrown at you uh, almost out the jump that you have to just kind of take in stride. I don't know. I don't, like I I confessed to earlier, I don't read that much fantasy. So I'm not accustomed to just like jump when I jump into a world, having to literally understand at least like 40% of like a world. (laughs) pretty much from the outset which is what this what this uh graphic novel was like asking of me so i found it like intimidating and if you're like me and you don't necessarily like peruse this that often i will say like get over that hump like keep reading and the story eventually starts to pare down to like what you actually need to know and you pick up like all of the details as you go i don't know like if I was to get tested on this, I would maybe get like a C on like the names of everybody (laughs) and everything. But I get the gist, I get the gist of it. I get the overall story and that's, what's like got me super into it. And like, uh, I like that. It's like almost like this weird, like apartheid kind of uh, parallel to a lot of it that like helps kind of uh, ground it for me. So yeah, I mean, it's cool. If you're asking me what I think of like all these characters and like the fact that like they have such a, deep and rich history that we're going to be able to peel back uh it's very cool it's just uh it it could be it could be uh overwhelming
0: (laughs) yeah i think i think uh for people that are new might be newer to the genre it's it's a lot but like as you mentioned i think i think in this i like so i'm somebody who reads a whole bunch of fantasy and i see whole different examples of world building out there um and I I can understand how that's intimidating, but I know that a lot of people who are fans of the genre, like just to like to geek out hard about the world building, like that's usually one of the primary draws to the genre. But I I would say that this story, um, could kind of have a broader universal appeal. Like, I think that once you break through maybe that initial hump or that little fear of, um, Getting lost in the weeds. I think that there's such a really powerful story to be told that it's worth it for for people who might be new to this kind of type of a story to come in but but for me I like tidbits of world building and just like just seeing how the author is able to manage like creating all of this and making it work in tandem with each other right like. I, I'm just, I'm like, I'm like in awe of like fantasy and sci-fi always just because like when you, when you make a drama story, like you already have a world that you, you don't have to worry about the world because it already it's, exists in our world usually, but you have to like craft everything and make sure the mechanics work and the physics work and all this other stuff and like give explanations for why this is and like make this culture and all that. Like there's a lot of, lot of, lot of work that goes into it. It's super impressive just to see how that's done uh, depending on the work or the author or the story. And, and and this one is just incredibly ambitious it's and it's 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 so grim too really grim and dark but it's but it's ambitious it's very it's dark fun. we should mention
1: yeah. this is like bitter you could like show to like a kid this one i would say like maybe like 15 or older depending on like your what depending on the parent of the kid but yeah uh it's got like adult languages um it's a lot more nuanced like even our protagonist i wouldn't say is like as straightforward like a hero
0: No, I, I, she's a very interested, interesting protagonist, but yeah, not necessarily straight up a hero. It's like a, um, she's kind of on a, on a crusade in a sense that I feel like is, is ultimately justified, but she also like, isn't, isn't out there for like the greater good of the world necessarily
1: no definitely not which she shouldn't be she's a 17 year old that's got like a very specific agenda so yeah but that's also like <laughs> flies
0: in the face of like the the normal like chosen one motifs right like where it's like in the in fantasy where it's like oh the chosen one has to go like change the world and and maybe they'll get there but like, like
1: they're they're leading to that i think to, they to i something. think they are
0: too but i like what propels her isn't like that whole like you're gonna go save the. she's already on a mission and maybe that mission will morph into something more
1: that's what's really cool too like i feel like a lot of stuff um falls into the trap of like like let's say i would say the thing that's like most similar to this is maybe venom with uh with uh that like i mean really any iteration of venom but let's just say the movie venom with tom hardy since that's probably the most popularly known uh it reminds me of that dynamic of like uh a person and then their possessor and like that exchange is like such a fascinating one when done right where it's not just the thing that you transform into that is like so much better than you and like super strong or whatever uh, is the, is the real showstopper and you're just waiting for that transformation. That never really like happens in this story. I, I, I find, I find Micah just as compelling as the, as the monstrum.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, And, and I guess I, to back up, I didn't think you mentioned it in the in the description, but yeah, the the main character, Micah Micah Half Wolf, has a a monster within her. So sh- so she's like she's traveling along with this with this creature that exists like within her uh, and has been like within her family for like generations, but kind of like is for some reason able to awake within her that we don't quite know yet. And. That relationship is is super interesting. Like she has a lot of interesting relationship with the with the people around her, like the people in her party that she travels with, and like another friend that she's writing letters to. But but the monster and her relationship is is very fascinating. And it leads to one of the themes that I think is interesting of like the notion of not having not being a hundred percent in control of your body is like a really terrifying concept.
1: Oh yeah, super terrifying.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, the monster was sweet though. I really like the, like the art design on, on like the creatures. Cause they're, they're like, they're kind of, sw- they're not typical creatures. They're like swirly and kind of tentacly with like eyes. They're very, very obscure and very alien looking.
1: So they're referred to as like Kaiju in some of the stuff I read. Does that mean that they get that like as big as like Kaiju as I understand well- it?
0: I think they're referring to the ones that they see just kind of walking around that don't really have any influence in the story yet,
1: right?
0: Like either those giant ones that are kind of like the kaiju esque, because kaiju is like just a giant monster. Um, and so, I, I like I think you could you could you could argue you can make the case that this is drawing a little bit and or paying homage to to kaiju storytelling because that is rooted often in in like Asian cultures too. Yeah. Um, so that there's there's an element of that, but I don't I don't I don't think the monster that's in Meka is a is a kaiju but I don't I, we don't know at this point right yeah maybe
1: um, it is as big as a skyscraper
0: maybe because we only see it like within her and it only only see it kind of like coming out just like through her her arm which she actually one of her arms is is a uh, is severed so she, it kind of comes off that severed arm
1: yeah did I miss that how she loses the arm or they No, she
0: she doesn't have it to be- begin with right okay yeah um, but like another I guess if we want to like root it back in like classic classical storytelling or, or classic literature, what it it made me think a little bit about is like the Jekyll and Hyde dynamic.
1: Oh yeah. I was going to say Wolfman, but Jekyll and Hyde works too. Oh yeah. Wolfman kind of works
0: too. Yeah. Yeah. especially
1: I think, with like her, like uh, without spoiling it or anything, but like she does have like a need to feed, which like yeah. complicates like her morality and all of it.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't, I'm not like well-versed in the Jekyll and Hyde storytelling, but I, I, what, what made me think, lean more towards that was that sort of, there's like this, this like coexisting nature within the monster and her, where she, she can kind of like feel the monster and they can kind of communicate sometimes when, when one's not fully in control and, and and it's not necessarily dependent on like um, a lunar cycle or something like that when the monster would come out. So it's sort of, it's sort of random and it's sort of whoever is able to like grapple for enough control in that moment.
1: Yeah. And uh, I, I like the monsters like kind of personality. And I like that. It's not that the monster's holding all the cards. It's kind of just as much of the dark as she is as mm-hmm. to why everything's going on. So like, that's really cool that like, they're working together to like solve this mystery ultimately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really liking that. They're both, uh, they're both going to have to help each other reluctantly because they're, <laughs> they don't like each other at this point.
1: <laughs> like any good uh, duo. They, uh, they got to bump heads first
0: got it got an odd couple it
1: uh, i was gonna say uh Hobbs and shaw it that's the more oh, popular right. uh example of an odd couple
0: yeah for the kids now right
1: exactly yeah I, yeah they don't know what the actual odd couple is but Hobbs and shaw tip of the tongue it's right absolutely
0: there. absolutely <laughs> another another interesting thing i just think like kind of going back to the world building piece of it like there's almost like a different style of world building that you see that that kind of exists within comics or graphic novels for you, Khalid, I'm sorry. Um, Thank you. you Within this medium versus like books or novels. Uh, And because you have to do so much more visual storytelling. So there's not a lot of opportunity for just straight up exposition. And, or when they try to do that, they have to, have to integrate it, you know, kind of carefully and tactfully. And so in this, in this story, they did it with the, like you mentioned the cats, there's these interludes at the end of each, like single issue that's collected in here, where like, it's like Professor was it Professor Tam. I want to say, yeah, Professor Tam, it's like a cat, who's giving a lecture to a bunch of little kittens. He's like, listen up, kits. And like, just kind of gives like history of the world or the realm or like the cultures. And, and, and I really, I really like that. I thought like, it's, it's so it's on the nose. Like, it's very like, Oh, here, I'm telling We're, we're just going to take a time to tell you the history. So you have context, but it's a really fun way to do it. I thought.
1: Oh, it's so fun. And it's like, I love the stills of like little kitties. Like there's one where like the kittens on its back around, like the food bowl. That's so adorable. <laughs> and I just. I just love overall that there's like a faction of like cats that are that are like players in this big end game that we're like headed towards.
0: I know. And like so it it like serves like a a counter to how grim everything else is. Like it's just like there's this like kind of cuteness and fun factor that's added in and to like everything else that's just so dark.
1: Yeah. And I mean as somebody who is like a huge puts like uh, you you know me well enough Joe. I'm a huge Puss in Boots, Boots fan. So like you tell me there's swashbuckling cats in this story. I'm I'm sold. All right. You can put the price tag on me, and you could you could give me to whoever just bought me because you just told me there are swashbuckling cats in this story, man. That one with the uh, the one with like the uh, bandolier or whatever you call and it, the
0: like, patch, right?
1: and the eye patch, right? The eye patch. When he like ambushes them, like I was not expecting that at all.
0: That was a great moment
1: <laughs> it was awesome it was super awesome
0: i, I kind of i don't know how t- common this is like in in comics in general but i feel like a few of the comics that i really like so like this series and i really like saga by brian k vaughn and i also really like um the sandman by neil gaiman like everybody everybody likes those comics so it's not like unique to me but um uh all of those have cats in, in, in some like capacity. Like the saga has the lying cat character and, uh, Neil Gaiman, like Sam, man, there's a bunch of cats that are all Neil Gaiman has cats in a lot of his stuff too. But I, there's like this, it kind of like links these stories t- together in some way for me. in like my head, like I think they all kind of, um, like 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 I think I think in terms of movies often, like, oh, what could I pair as a double feature with that? Like I'm almost like they kind of work like if I read a Sandman comic and then Monstrous, it would work almost like a double feature for me because I think like tonally and and just some of like the 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 out there sort of ideas and world building that work in this medium just work within those comics for me. So I really enjoy it.
1: Uh yeah, again, swashbuckling <laughs> cats, I'll bet
0: Yeah, that's all you need, right? <laughs> it's all you it's, need.
1: That's all I've ever needed. <laughs> That's why. That's why I got a cat. I'm just waiting for him to grow into this boots I
0: bought him. <laughs> you? I hope that you actually do have boots.
1: I, I wish I did. Now that I said that, I'm gonna get some though. I don't want I, to just to make an honest man out of myself. I'm gonna go get cat boots.
0: You should. I suppose we. Should, I, I don't know if we mentioned this too, but uh, another interesting thing about this is since we mentioned that like fantasy has been generally like Eurocentric and male dominated, this is actually a matriarchal world. That's kind of in this too. So it's like, there's very few male characters. I
1: did mention it. Thanks to my homeboy Wikipedia. It's the first thing I said.
0: True. True. Yeah. But I, it's cool. It's a cool concept. I think that, uh, I was reading an interview with Marjorie Lou also, and she was saying that a lot of like, she grew up reading fantasy and, and like when she would, when she first kind of went to start writing fantasy, she found herself just writing stories about, about men specifically like white men going on like some sort of like adventure that feels token esque because that's what she was exposed to so much. And she's like, I have all this wealth of like mythology and culture based on like what she grew up when, uh, with her family. And she's like, why don't I just pull from that? My like default is to go to this like white Eurocentric thing. So she, um, deliberately wanted to kind of change that a lot of those notions and like flip a lot of that stuff on its head. And I think it shows.
1: Oh, it totally shows. I, uh, I'm particular. I would say, like, uh, aside from the swashbuckling cats, I would say my <laughs> favorite character is probably the sorceress, like the main villain of the. Yeah, is it the sorceress is that her name? Uh, did I say that correctly?
0: The uh, the sorceress is
1: that. The that's Mother her Superior. Name, right? that some- yeah. the, like
0: the head. Mother the head Superior, of the, the yeah, like the,
1: the yeah. yeah, like the the nun, the nun wizards or whatever. The um, nun wizards, they, uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She, she's really really like scary and a very effective villain and i think that uh just goes to like the power of making this a matriarchal focused world and in, in and of itself is like this like threat of like this lady is so cool and then like you get her backstory with the cats at one point and mm-hmm. that's really awesome because i feel like it just adds to her bona fides based on what we've already seen her do
0: oh absolutely
1: like, It happens early enough on in the story that I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but there are like these characters that like, is it her or her people that like they come across and they're just like, everybody's like, why are you even fighting? You're going to die. Like, just put it down. And like, some of them are just, no, screw that. I'm going to die. Like, uh, But yeah, I say, I just say all that to say, like, it's just like a really impressive, like type of villain that we don't usually see.
0: Right. And, and I'm sure it's gotta be intentional too, that like, like the word, uh, the word monster is pretty much in the title, and then there's this whole story is like centered around monsters and creatures of different kinds. But like the kind of like some of the most horrific characters, like the hum, the humans, right? The human characters and the Kumeo, which are like offshoots of humans, and the ones that look more more monstrous or creatures, like the Arcanics, are kind of the ones we kind of, we end up tending to sympathize with more.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, well, a lot of them are like kids that we see in the beginning. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, and that's yeah, dark like, too. Not
1: really. <laughs> that really helps to just like put you firmly on one side is to like uh, not to put too fine of a point on it, but you put a bunch of kids in cages. I'm going to be on the other person's side.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I suppose like we could touch on like just this one thing that makes this such, so great is just how, how like full of like powerful themes that are in here, like the, like the themes and the ideas and the commentaries that are put in here, like are like sometimes you can stuff too many, ideas and themes into something that none of them come out giving getting enough of what the, what it needs to actually like make a like a good point but i think with this like she's able to to like throw in a lot of different concepts and i feel like they're all they're all served in their own way like like a big a big theme is dehumanization right like eh, but that's also like post-war like you mentioned that kind of apartheid but it's like post-war the fragility of peace um ptsd is like huge in there um overcoming living with trauma racism prejudice slavery revenge um and like i mentioned before not being 100 control of your body like what's that like um so there's just a lot of stuff going on and it's all um I mean, it's all it's really well fleshed out. General,
1: yeah yeah it's like, yeah it's just dealing with agency in general and then every once in a while uh someone will rip a unicorn's head off and kill somebody else with it
0: <laughs> yeah uh,
1: that's like that. That's the cool. That's the cool, like, uh, record scratch thing of like you think you finally tamp down what this thing has got about, like what's going on in all of this, and then a unicorn gets his horn ripped off, and someone gets murdered with it. And like, I just had to say that because I like, I even I was like reading it, and I feel like I was on autopilot for a little bit because that just really woke me up. I was like, what? <laughs>
0: What? <laughs> I just imagine you doing that, and you're just sitting there quietly. What?
1: I, just, I was like, you can you can do that? Like, that's just like that's so wild. I mean, I guess it's like not the craziest thing, but I I've, I've yet to come across that until now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Do you have a uh, okay? Other than the unicorn head thing, do you have a favorite moment? Uh,
1: other than the unicorn head thing yeah. uh yeah. yeah just like i mentioned earlier with the the uh the turn when we meet the swashbuckling cat like i like that moment because like uh in retrospect the way like they set up I, it's hard to describe it without spoiling it but like
0: mm-hmm.
1: a twist happens that is in retrospect actually pretty apparent when you like read the panels right before it
0: mm-hmm yeah, that's, a really that's cool scene.
1: yeah, that's cool the swashbuckling yeah, when the swashbuckling cat appears, and it's just like, uh, I that's that's that was the cherry on top was like seeing that cat like the puss in boots of that world, but yes. like everything surrounding that event was really cool.
0: Yeah, oh, I agree. How about and like, you? well, I, I almost want to like go off of yours again too. Like, the right after the swashbuckling cat appears is like a full page panel that, uh, and I don't want to say too much about it because it is towards <laughs> the end, but it's just like such a beautiful like like sequence artistically like I, I was like that's such a cool picture like you almost want to frame that when yeah, you see all of them yeah, yeah. A lot
1: of, there's a there's a lot of awesome like uh splash panels or whatever was oh, that what you would call that i don't know i don't know I don't, it's some, a cool like there's a lot of cool full page like things that they do
0: somebody at khalid and then tell them what that's actually called Please at me. Yeah, I think so. I think one of my favorite parts, though, was like the first time that uh, that Meka kind of goes into the woods with with a monster like and they kind of have like a loose agreement of like, you're not going to eat my little fox friend. You're going to go we're going to go hunt somewhere else. So, like, there's kind of, like, this, like, element of control she was able to exert for the first time on it, and they had this, like, kind of, they had this almost conversation where the monster was recognizing, like, you understand me, and you're able to sort of control a little bit. So, they're, like, almost like a begrudging, annoyed respect that kind of happens there. Do you remember that, you know, which part I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that was what made me think of Venom the most, like, that moment yeah. when like you realize that the monster has, like, a personality and is kind of, like, sassy at times.
0: Yeah. I like yeah I like yeah because the monster's talking and then I like I think I took a picture of the panel oh yeah she says she says you are a chatty fucking monster especially about nothing I care about (laughs) I like.
1: she she does not care about that monster at all
0: no she's not afraid at that point I guess Yeah. yeah she
1: gives no F's
0: um you know you know you know Khalid do I know do you know, um, speaking of things that give no Fs, <laughs> bears tend to give no Fs.
1: That's true. That's true. If there's one thing I've never seen a bear give. It's an F.
0: Yeah. So uh. <laughs> with, uh, there are so many monsters here. But I, I, I'm just thinking, like, you, I want you to four, ba- four bears test the monster that, that's in Mika in Like, four bears test that. Like, we saw its capabilities the most. Like, give that the four bears treatment.
1: Um. Yeah. Uh. Even with the most like generous of readings, I don't see how this passes. Like, the thing
0: (laughs) is,
1: for one, you I've I've yet to hear of an instance of four bears living inside of a seventeen-year-old girl, let alone a one-armed girl. Um. I only say that because that's less real estate right there. Uh. (laughs) So I don't think bears could do that. Uh. I don't think that's how bears feed the way that the monster feeds. Um. Also, just Based on how scared everybody that has come across the monster or knows about it is, and what, like, they say that the monster did uh, already when it was, like, just, like, an epic, like, scene of destruction, I don't think four bears could do that, especially, like, against these magical creatures. Now, if we're talking about, like, in this world, whatever whatever the equivalent of bears are, baby. Maybe they're just as like fearsome. Maybe there's like a bear god that we're going to come across that like technically counts. And if there are four of the bear god, then yes. But uh, right now with earth bears, uh, it's a it's a clear fail.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good uh, breakdown. More than I kind of expected.
1: Yeah, you know, I I only think deeply about like irrelevant things that will have no actual substantial. It bearing on my life. Anything that's real and I need to actually worry about, I have no thoughts on.
0: Well, it's it's irrelevant until we make it relevant by making a podcast about it, huh?
1: Exactly. So if we could just start making like podcasts about like things I need to get done around the house, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll get on that, Clyde.
1: Awesome. Coming to a podcast network near you.
0: um What do you What are you looking forward to seeing in the future volumes? Like, what do you want to see fleshed out, and what are you excited to see?
1: Um it sounds like her mom is gonna play a really big role and I'm hoping that like I, I feel like with the with this kind of story it's the kind of thing where like the mom might not be as like good as they as like you would think they would normally be with a story with like a protagonist trying to avenge their slain parent, especially like what we've already heard about her, like alluded to mm-hmm. and like what she's allowed to happen in the name of her daughter. uh so that's gonna be cool. Uh, other than that, this, the Tuya character that she keeps, like, kind of speaking to in her mind, I want to see more of her. Um, and, yeah, I guess just, like, really figuring out, like, not even figuring out, just seeing the full extent of what this monster can do that they keep promising. I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm with you on that. I want to, I want to see that relationship that like you kind of nailed it when you kind of said it like a venom relationship almost, but like that relationship between the monster and the girl, like flesh out and see where that's going to go and how they're able to like build off of each other and like what, what skills each one's going to be able to contribute to whatever the end goal is going to be there. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see more about the mom because she was sort of like mentioned, but not actually, there wasn't much we learned about the mom really at all in this either. Um, but I'm also really interested to learn more about uh the ancients we only get a brief bit with them towards the end um but they're kind of mysterious and sort of isolationist and and there's like the dawn and the dusk court are are the two like uh like i guess sex of the ancient uh political i don't know culture I guess you could say but uh, I'm interested to see I feel like that's like a like a tidbit of world building that we just only only scratch the surface on and i'm really interested to see more more there and like how what impact they have on the world because obviously that like it's the ancients like mating with humans that created the arcanics like thousands and thousands of years ago to like spawn their own race but like what are they doing what are they doing now they're pretty hands-off in the war it sounded like but uh but what the, what, what stake do they have in currently what's going on i'm, I'm intrigued
1: yeah, they've uh, they've planted a lot of seeds. Like this is where like the Game of Thrones comparison kind of comes in. It's like a lot of politics is introduced and that makes for like interesting like pairings of uh of characters that could like spring into different storylines.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, yep. I was reading an interview with, uh, with Marjorie Lou and she said that it was very intentional that she wanted to make rage a defining trait in her character in and make his character, um, because, uh, she had noticed like sort of just, I mean, this is general in society that like. Ray, female rage is 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 often like ridiculed more in society right like there's hysterical emotional like those kinds of phrases are thrown off or male rage is is often given like a pass for some other reason. so she wanted to like make that a point in this character that uh that like how rage could be almost powerful in this uh did you kind of pick up on that at all
1: yeah i did actually and i i i'm glad you brought it up because that's that's a big reason why I like Micah so much is uh, she's very much like independent of like the monster inside of her that makes her like a threat to so many people. Like she is just an interesting character. And a lot of that comes from like that rage and the way that she dispenses it on people. Uh, I guess like the Venom description earlier is like uh, apt, but instead of like Eddie Brock, it'd be like a Venom like possess the Punisher. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Someone that's like already kind of a handful uh, on their own. And then you've just like added this like nuclear button to their, to their arsenal. So uh, I I love it. Uh, And I think that, yeah, it's cool to show women uh, exhibit rage and not immediately get punished for it. uh, Even in like a moralistic sense. Again, I don't know. The soul story could end with her like getting killed. I don't think based on the creators that that's where it's headed where like she gets like, some kind of uh retribution for this rage in any real way um and so yeah like i just i love it it's do- it's it's dope and it's real uh i know so many women that it, uh utilize their anger in a way that uh makes them more of a threat or more of uh an opposing figure in their lives and it helps it's a tool you know what i mean obviously like don't take it to like abusive territory or anything like that but that's a real thing like you should uh, women should be allowed to utilize it the way men do and are praised for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one piece I really loved about this. I think uh, like another theme that we could have just added to that list. That's just, that just carried so well. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I'm going to throw a curveball at you actually. Uh, I know. So normally at this point in the episode is when I usually ask you, uh, whether or not you would fight or flirt with the monster in question. And, and so this, uh, this, this story has a whole bunch of monsters and the, the line of what is a monster is often blurred. And I think that's an intentional thing here. Like what makes a monster and like, like from being just like a creature or a beast, Uh, And, or like the, the, the definition of like a monster in some cases, like something that's just like, that's, that's evil. And then, and then in many cases, like the human is the monster, like the monster is meant to reflect our own problems. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, like dialogue and, or like, I don't want to say dialogue is not the right word. There's just like a lot of going on with like what monster, what a monster is in the story. So instead of asking you to fight or flirt with the monster, I'm going to say, if you existed in this world, Khalid this monstrous world you were to say you're say you're a farmer in like the border between like the arcanics land or and the human land you're just a farmer and you do your thing Um, but oftentimes wars are coming up and just like people are battling by you how do you get by in this world do you fight your way through this world or do you flirt your way through this world
1: um <laughs> well you just told me i'm a farmer so <laughs> yeah,
0: but you could have a different skill set i don't know
1: Okay, but, like, am I human? Like, am I an arcanic? Am I one of the ancients that retired to a farm? Like, a lot a lot of that is, like, important information because the, the power sets dramatically vary. You're human. Okay, I'm human. Then I guess, I don't know, I mean... I think, for the most part, I would flirt with the monsters and... I don't know how well it would work because they're all so bougie and just like look down on like anything that isn't them. So I'm kind of screwed either way. Like there is no they have not demonstrated that there's like any way to fight them without like some kind of like deus sex living inside of you. So, yeah, I guess I would flirt and die. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to make it more complicated than more normal for you.
1: I mean, if anything, you made it simpler, but sure.
0: sure. I guess, yeah, maybe you're right.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that was good. Uh, you're you're gonna. I think I know your answer, but you're gonna you're gonna continue with the series.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's a fun read, and I was kind of speed reading through this because I uh, did my homework late. But uh, so maybe I'll reread the first one and then like, it'll be a nice, like casual read, I think, especially once I get like a better sense of all the characters and the stakes for each of them.
0: I think a second uh, a second read through is definitely worthwhile for it. I, th- I, I I appreciate it a lot, having read it before and reading it the second time, like I knew bits and pieces were coming and and I was able to kind of like contextualize it a lot more, I think.
1: Yeah, I figure that'll happen for me too. So yeah, I, I liked it. It's it's dope. I'm gonna keep keep uh, keep with it.
0: Same. I'm really excited to see where it goes. Um, side note, back to our our, our previous book club episode, the Bitterroot one, um, back in the day by Samford Green and David Wa- David F. Walker, Volume Two uh, just released. I think maybe a couple months ago. So if anyone wants to follow up on that, that's out.
1: Ooh, get your Bitterroot on, folks. That's a good read.
0: Yeah. Oh, super good. I'm excited to both like these, these, these two series I think are, they're relatively new and highly acclaimed um, winning Eisner awards all over the place. And and I think they're all well-deserved. So I I, I give them my stamp of approval approval for you listeners to go read it.
1: Hey Joe, can I borrow your stamp real quick? Yeah. I also give you Joe's stamp of approval. Y'all
0: well-deserved.
1: Super (laughs) well-deserved.
0: All right, Khalid. I think we're at that point in the show where we do our, um, <coughs> excuse me. What the fandom <laughs> section.
1: <laughs> you did, you did whatever the verbal or vocal equivalent of a windup is for that. I really enjoyed that.
0: I'm glad you liked it. So what the fandom is where we kind of just discuss things that we're, uh, we're, we're into right now that we've watched read, listened to that. Uh, you think we think, uh, we might recommend to you listeners. So, uh, Khalid, what the fandom with you?
1: Um, my what the fandom this week is the 2016 movie Better Watch Out. Uh, I think it's available on Amazon Prime. That's where I watched it. I'm pretty sure it's a, yeah, it's included on Prime. So, uh, it's a it's a crazy fun movie. Uh, nothing like it's it's. I don't think it'll make anybody's like top twenty list or anything like that. But it's entertaining and it basically just asks the question like what if kevin from home alone was actually the sociopath that we all love to say he is and like uh they take that to its like logical conclusion with like this like really like horrible awful kid on a christmas night when his babysitter is watching him and uh the turn that it takes and the path that it goes it's like really gnarly uh if you're into like not horror, I guess, but like horror adjacent uh, movies like that. I would totally recommend it. Um, and yeah, it just like, I think what I liked the most about it was like how unexpected it was. Like, you know how it is when you go into like the bargain bin of like Amazon prime or Hulu or something, when you're like picking movies that like, you've just, like you're convinced that it's, it's fake. Like they just put it in there to make their catalog look bigger. And then you watch it and realize, okay, a whole movie was made that you'd never heard of. But yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's one of those, and it's actually surprisingly good. Definitely on like the top of the heap there. So, better watch out. uh, I would say give it a watch on Amazon.
0: Cool. I haven't heard of it, so I'll have to check that out.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, What the fandom with you?
0: Thanks for asking, Khalid. Uh, I actually have two this week.
1: Oh, okay. Let's get an overachiever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know you've had two before. This is my first time, I think. Well, no, I, I had one where I was like ten, but yeah. <laughs> all, all right, so two. One of them is a movie, and uh, so I think you you watched this too. We talked about it, but uh, a couple weekends ago, uh, we watched the movie "Save Yourselves" on Hulu. Um, it's a it's a movie from 2019. It's um, it's sort of about it's like a kind of like an indie rom com setup where these two people um, from Brooklyn from New York City decide to go into like a remote cabin, turn their phones off, try to get in touch with nature and get in touch with themselves. But then it it kind of shifts gears and starts to ask the question like, what if um what if Tribbles were a little bit bigger and murderous and also were invading Earth? So then it, it goes there. Um and that's kind of the the crux of like the main story that we start to see. And it's it's a it's a blending of genres. And I thought it was gonna be um I thought it was gonna be kind of silly and maybe dumb but what i really appreciate is how like how earnestly it kind of treated treated the subject matter for how silly it could be it, it the threat felt real which is kind of funny to say but uh, but like the the it's 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 a re- i just thought it was a really done really well done movie it's not um not a like five star movie by any means but it's a really uh really cool unique um unique movie that i think is definitely worth a watch and so i'd recommend that it save yourselves on hulu is where i found it and uh my second recommendation or what the fandom is. I'm really excited about. I just got this in the mail. I told you again about this khalid but uh the Beastmaster, which we did way back in episode 3, just received. Yeah, yeah not to be confused with
1: Ultimate Beastmaster, which yeah, is definitely the not. thing that I that I came up with.
0: But you can make the case that this is the ultimate version of Beastmaster. It's a it's a new release, uh, a 4K Blu-ray release of the movie uh from Vinegar Syndrome, which is like a boutique Blu-ray label, and it comes in the sweet box. There's like a like an essay book, a photo book, concept art, there's different, ver- there's two different versions of the movie, one with like added effects and like, like a directed director's preferred edition, which I think is just director's cut, but I, they don't call it that. Um, it, new commentaries, new, uh, new documentaries, new features, uh, you know, upgraded like picture and everything like that. So it's just this really ultimate, like, ultimate set and i'm pretty excited it's got the, the 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 box art alone is just cool so it's like one you like put you want to put on the shelf and like it looks cool so i'm, I'm very excited about that so for those of you those of you the, like the other like six people out there who are super Beastmaster fans like you guys should pick it up
1: yeah all six of you Beastmaster hype beasts
0: yeah seven including me i guess right
1: yeah yeah uh, so you got the seventh one we just six to go
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. But yeah, that's what we got for you today, folks. Um, what we want to leave you with, though, is you all listening should, if you haven't already, follow Frankenstein's podcast on Facebook and Twitter, where you can see all our hot takes on monsters, updates on our episodes. I tend to post a week before which monster we're covering for the next episode. So if you're wondering what we're going to do next, check the socials, because that's where it will be. Um, And also, if you could, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps us get listeners and helps us uh, Helps us grow our base in general, and maybe maybe we can do more, more cool stuff. Yeah, if y'all.
1: you guys like what you're hearing, hit us with that five-star. And if you do give us a five-star review, we will read it on t- on the pod at the end of the episode or at the, at the top. We, we don't know yet. We're still deciding, top or bottom. We'll figure it out.
0: I think it'll be bottom. I think it'll be bottom.
1: Alright, at the bottom of the episode, we're gonna give you guys a shout-out if you give us a five-star review and we'll even read it on the air. Obviously, don't make it like a full-on like chapter or something like that. Uh, but yeah, please, please do.
0: Yeah, please do. So yeah, anyway, until next time, Khalid.
1: Creep it easy, y'all.